Good evening and welcome to Transatlantic History Ramblings with Lauren and Brian. This is not Lauren, this is Brian in Buffalo, New York, USA, but with me as always... It's Lauren from Swansea. How are you, Brian? I'm hot, Lauren. And I don't mean like, you know, sexy beast like I normally do. I mean, it's hot. Yeah, you don't mean it in its literal sense, you mean it in... (laughs) It's in the figurative sense. 92 degrees here today. I thought it... I didn't... I thought it was August was your very hot month. It is. So, what's the weather doing? It's playing tricks on you. I don't know. Do you know what 92 degrees is? That's that's like 33.3 for you. That's... That's... That's as hot as hell. Yeah, no poo-poo. It's brutal. It's brutal. But, you know, other than that, you know, everything's pretty, pretty fun. Uh, I've been doing a lot of interviews for this book and uh, posted one on our on our Facebook page earlier today for people to check it out. One that I actually had to do on video, so you have to stare at my ugly mug the whole time. But it was a fun interview. And... Uh... What about um, our youngest fan? Oh, our that, youngest that was, fan. Was that not yeah. adorable? That was very adorable. Yeah, I told you someone bought the Transatlantic History onesie, and they sent a picture of their little baby in the onesie, and then we posted it on, this, on the site. Um, love that. That is uh, <clears throat> that's one stylish and smart-looking kid, huh? Yes. He is, and he shall forever be smart because he listens to our podcast. Yes, he might also be obnoxious someday then. Oh, no. No, 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 no. So you're saying he won't pick up my bad habits, just your good habits? Yes, indeed. He shall. Speaking of habits. Oh, goodness. What are you on about now? What do you call a nun wandering around? I don't know, Brian. What do you call him then, wandering around? A Roman Catholic. Oh, I should have seen that going. You laughed at one of my jokes, Lord. <laughs> that was a good one. I like that one. Well, you better get used to it, because, you know, tonight we're doing another pirate episode. Arr! Oh, no, no. That's so there'll be pirate jokes. plenty of pirate jokes in me see Chanty today. Oh, goodness. But... We'll save that for the uh, for the interview portion of our show. This is our rambling portion of the show, Lauren. Yeah. So what's going so, on? Not very much now. I'm back at work, still doing stuff for my mess. That's coming along well. I've got a talk um, booked in for the 14th of July. Unfortunately, it's not a public talk. It's it's specifically for this hist- historical group. So, are they going to let me like set- crash it? No. Oh. I know, I right? I could heckle. <laughs> she don't know shit. <laughs> I would. I would love to to hear this talk because this is a pretty big talk. It is a pretty big talk. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a pretty prominent group. Uh, you want to tell people about it? Um, I think I can. Um, it's for the Metropolitan Police History Society. So they're all, they're all policemen and women, or have served the Metropolitan Police in some way. 
So it's very prestigious. Yeah, and you're going to be up there, and you're going to drop the mic on them bitches, right? Yeah, I'm going to tell them all about prisons existing before the 17th century, which, which everybody seems to be a bit shocked at because there is this thought, sort of vein of thought that prisons arrived fully formed in the 17th century, that there was nothing before then, that, you know, that everything sort of crime history-wise happened then. But there was, I, I hate to tell you, there was crime previous to that as well. Yeah, what did they think they did with the bad people? Well, prison wasn't um, like it was, it is today. It wasn't a punishment. It was essentially to secure your you turning up to um, court because in places like Newgate and um, and the King's Bench and the Fleet, they were courts primarily. So the Old Bailey, what's on the site of Newgate now, is pretty much going back to the medieval use of that site. There would have been cells there and there would have been a prison, but they would have been more like remand cells. So the cells that you would have now where the where the prisoners would wait to be called to go on trial it is much more what it would have been like except medieval and uh, you'd have you'd have uh, not gone back to your main prison you'd have stayed there and you wouldn't have had your food provided for you or your candles or your bedding you'd have had to buy that from the jailer because the jailers rented the spaces they rented the prison from the crown and they were they were these tenancies were bestowed upon them by the crown and um, they had to make up their own income and one of, one of the ways that they made their own income was to sell things to the prisoners sort of so, like uh, today when they sell like candy bars and, and, and tobacco yeah that's more the tap shop so that's more your luxury side of things and that happens here as well where you would buy you would pay to have your luxuries but this would you you would pay to have your necessities as well so if you didn't have you have money you didn't eat you didn't have bedding you didn't have candles did you have your poop so, bucket i don't know if a poop bucket came as standard with the room that's something i really do have to look into you probably had to pay to have the poop bucket emptied i i don't know i would imagine so I would imagine you'd have to have the pooper. I think you'd have to pay for services. It's very, it's very weird. You can't, you can't sort of trace everyday life in a medieval prison because they just didn't keep records. They didn't feel it was necessary. They did keep jail rolls, which or goal rolls, to to say who was who was coming into the prison and what their crime was but again they would only really record major crimes like treason which does get a bit interesting around um the the peasants revolt and after because they sort of found a way to label pretty much everything as treason and that's where if you were if you were um accused of treason during that period because of the peasants revolt you could just be executed without very much of a trial but then that gets a bit more formalized because um you know using henry the eighth as an example he used to execute people without a trial because he used to pass things called acts of attainder which just basically said the king said you did it you did it and you're gonna die yeah he he executed people without trial because he was henry all right <laughs> 
Um, well, no, I think there was lots of reasons why he passed acts of attainder. Mostly, it, mostly it was to save embarrassment because things would come out that would make him look a bit foolish or would question his capability. Well, I think it would question his sanity and question and question his judgment, which is very bad for a king if you've got a, if you've questioned that judgment because then you have uprisings and you have people trying to usurp and you've got to remember with Henry when he grew up his father was plagued by pretenders and it was very unstable and that he he would remember uh, he was old enough to have remembered the pretenders especially um probably uh Simnel and Warbeck he would have been old enough to understand what was going on and and just you know understand that you know he was under threat and that all these threats so he he didn't have a stable childhood in, in the in the sense that we would like to think because he was constantly concerned that his father or you know people around him were constantly concerned that his father could be usurped because you know henry the seventh was himself a usurper yeah and it's funny no one remembers henry the seventh I know it's like the Tudor period was just started in 1509 magically. Well, <clears throat> it's because when you lopped all those wives' heads off, you get more famous. Um, I think he was. There was this comedy program with where this woman is. She's a comedian, but she pretends to be a historian, and she goes around presenting a. And it's it's basically a a, a comedy program, a, um, but as, as using history. And she said that Henry VIII was the Kim Kardashian of the Tudors, which is true. He was. He had a big ass. About it. Yeah, and very dramatic in the papers all the time, and made poor judgments with in 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 with marriages and love and stuff. Made a good one with the church, though. Um. Well, yes, but they they did. The, ref- the major reforms to make us a little bit more Catholic than we already were happened during the reign of Henry V, and at the time the ca- the the Roman the Ro- the Church in Rome did turn around and say, "We think you're a bit too English to be proper Roman Catholics," and we proved them right because we were a bit too English and we didn't want somebody else telling us what to do, so we were like, "Bye." Yeah, that is like a way too English. Yeah, we are we are way too British to be involved in anything. Yeah, can you imagine if if America was like America is now then? Because like, you can't well, you can't tell Americans what to do, but they're overly religious. So I don't know how that would have played out. I think, um, I think that the, I think America would struggle with the idea of not being able to have easy access to the Bible if you're talking about transplanting America now into the past. I think because even when you try and explain to hardcore Baptists that that the Bible, the Bible's original language when it was created, American was yeah was latin i mean and and for hundreds and hundreds of years you weren't allowed to 
read the bible and anything else but latin and the the bible itself was restricted only certain members of um you know you had your clerical you had your clerical people who could read it and you had you know but lay figures lay figures who had access to a bible and that could understand it was very select i mean men educated men so high status men um and they'd probably read it to their wives so you know you've got that whole aspect of they would probably censor the bible if they thought that their wife shouldn't hear a certain thing or they'd interpret it in a certain way or they may have just read it to her in latin and she wouldn't necessarily understand what was being said so you've got all these complications about who had access to the bible and what they were saying you know what what their message was when they were sort of explaining the bible to people who didn't have access to being able to teach latin to be able to be taught latin and be able to read latin and write it that's because the problem is that the whole latin thing see they should have been reading the bible in jesus's language american well, that's even more trickier because I'm pretty sure his 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 language wasn't American. American. That's that's what I get. Is you sort of like explain to them, and they, they their heads kind of swivel because they're like, "Oh no, that's awful!" And I'm like, "Yes, you know, the the Bible hasn't always been in English, and I mean, it's, it's not English, trans- American. It wasn't it wasn't translated, you know, straight from Latin. I mean, to get the proper meaning and to do it justice, they had to." Um, translate it into Greek and from Latin to Greek and then Greek into American. No, American. American. Uh, USA. USA. If you have these conversations with people, they they don't tend to understand that the, the, the Bible was never intended to be in American or English or whatever. American. Yeah, but they on it. It's it's quite strange, you know, when they go on about the, you know being in English and you know proudly, and you're like, well, have you, have you ever seen people, the picture that people in America have of Jesus presenting the founding fathers with the Constitution? No, I haven't. Oh, haven't that's like a big American thing. They are. We no, we can't go down this road because it'll just end badly. We may be able to oh, go no, down this just... road soon with a guest I might have coming up. But what what um inter- what really interests me is the idea is that there seems to be no concept in America that for people to have the Bible in English in a language that they understand and to be able to read it easily. People okay. throughout the centuries in other countries had to die to get, and they don't seem to understand that the the journey and historical significance of of the Bible as as a text. You know. Yeah, but you see, the thing is, a lot of Americans don't understand the Bible even in English, so that's okay. And one of them is you, you heathen. No, I understand it. That's the problem. You pick it up and it burns your skin. <laughs> I'm a heathen? 
Well, that's okay. Uh, I'm a Protestant, so I I am a heretic. So you, you're a her- yeah, you're a heretic. I'm a heretic. And we're both ginger, so we'd have been burned as witches. No, I'd have been all right. I'd have been cool. I'm 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 ginger and well, so you know. <laughs> oh, Lauren, it's so hot. So. Have we had any feedback from any of our episodes that have just aired? I'm very interested to know about the ghost episode because hopefully we have another um, instalment of that coming up well, soon. We, we we have. We, we've got some feedback on the ghosts, and people love our ghost episodes, which is funny because, you know, as a history show, I thought we'd get more feedback on, like, the history episodes we do, but we don't. We get more feedback on the ghost episodes. So what's wrong with you people? <laughs> Um, well, ghosts are history. Ghosts are history. Well, yeah, I they're mean, dead, so that's history. I mean, on it's reported, one of the reports of Henry VIII's death, going back to old Henry, was that he saw the ghost of a monk before he was unable to, before he sort of fell into his like, death state thing. He was crying out, monks, monks, monks. Well, speaking so of, was, of Henry, um, we did get feedback about Henry's finger being a salt shaker. Oh, for goodness sake. And me asking if his Pepe was a, was a pepper shaker. Uh, they didn't like me talking about Henry's ding-dong being used as a pepper shaker. Well, I'm not surprised. I don't know. something. They didn't like me talking about Jesus' middle finger either. But Jesus had many fingers and many toes, as you said. Well, yeah, that's the thing. They were, they, like, um... If you go to the British Museum at the moment and see the Beckett Shrine, you will see these this little box, and it's called a reliquary, and um, you keep relics inside the reliquary. And there were these reliquaries all over the all over the country, purporting to have the blood of Christ, bones of Christ. You know, if you ever look up, there are some sites I can't remember off the top of my head what they're called, but the Valor Ecclesiasticus, which was essentially um, Cromwell's um, audit of all the uh, monastic houses of uh, England and Wales to see what they had, and you know, eat, like rival ones would claim to have the same relic. You know, there were doubles of relics all over the place. Yeah, it is weird so, that. Uh... There's this, like, massive collection of Jesus tchotchkes all over the world. So it's not, it's, it, you know, you even have um, some sort of vague references to not the Shroud of Turin, but a sh- the Shroud of Christ in the Vatican. You know, that appears in inventories. So, you know, and, uh, you know, there were relics. There were holy relics. That's all they claim. Yeah, there is. There, there's some bizarre body parts of Christ that were relics. <laughs> I don't want to know about no, Christ's bizarre body no, parts, Lord. That, that, I'm not going to go into detail because they're bizarre. They are bizarre. They're, they're like, why? Why would you even? Why would you even claim you have that? Because. Because. But yeah. then, but then again, because then again, right? There should be no relics of Christ. There should be no relics of Christ because if you know the Bible and um, he ascended to heaven, so there was no physical remain yeah, left. Yeah, it kind of defeats the purpose of their claims, doesn't it? So, 
So there was, you know, you can't have vials of the blood of Christ unless they were taken at the time of the crucifixion, and crucifixion could be a bit bloody, and he was a bit beaten up. But if you tad. Um, but you know, you can't have body parts of Christ because he ascended. He was just basically picked up and put in heaven. Yeah, you gotta pick one side of that coin, folks. So that's what, that's why I don't hold any faith in. Like with Thomas Beckett, you can cut. You know, he was a man. He had physical remains. So the possibility of there being some sort of remains and them being them being held in a reliquary is possible because you do have in Spain you have the tomb of Saint Teresa and certain parts of her body were taken and stored in reliquies which is creepy in and of itself um you know and and you do get their body showed off as um, you know they were so loved by God God has preserved their remains and you know you get mummification which happened naturally and sometimes the body was preserved you know the body was sort of prepared and you know buried in such a way where mummification was sort of that's what they were trying to do without trying to be invasive as the egyptians were so you know them say them using mummification as a um sort of you know god loved their body you know god loved them so much they have preserved their remains is sort of well no that's what the people that buried them wanted they wanted them to be mummified they wanted to preserve the remains as as best they could. Yeah, kind of like Lennon. Not John Lennon. I'm talking, you know, yeah. you know. Well, you know what yes. I'm talking about, but I'm sure someone out there said they mummified John Lennon. Yeah, I, I know who you mean. Yeah. You know who the best mummy was? Boris Karloff. That's the yeah. 1933 mummy. That's the best one. So actually, I scared, um in Swansea Museum. We have the only mummy, complete mummy, in Wales because it was essentially stolen to order for the museum when it was the uh, the royal uh, the royal society the royal institution sorry and it was uh, scientific talks were done there and everything um and i scared my nephews by taking them to see it because they were like is that real and i was like yes it's a real dead body and they got creeped out but they love chucky yeah they love chucky but not mummies. No. They don't like history at all. Do you know what? I was, um, like, um, my nephew likes the Avengers, and he likes, like, Corey likes the Avengers, and he likes Thor. And I was explaining to him that Thor was actually, a, uh, was like a Norse, go- Norse god, and I was telling him about the Vikings, and I showed him a Viking ship, because at because Corey has um, a difficulty believing that things existed before he was alive. Well, that's a lot of people. And and he actually told me to fuck off when I showed him a Viking <laughs> And how old is he? He was nine, but he was younger. He was like he was like five or six when I showed it to him, and he's like, fuck off. That's not real. So your five-year-old <laughs> nephew told you to fuck off. Yeah. Basically, so I showed him and I showed him a Viking longboat, and I explained to him who the Vikings were, and that God, uh, that Thor was a god to them, and that Odin was the All Father, and I was because I was explaining about Ragnarok to him as well because that's his favorite Thor film, and then I showed him a longboat, and he told me to fuck off. Well, you know, Vikings are pretty badass. 
But almost as badass as Vikings are pirates. <laughs> and we're doing a pirate show tonight, so we better get to our... So we can get to the pirate talk. Yeah. You ready you for know, Monday, Lauren? Yes, I. but I just want to say something. Did you know that yesterday was Henry VIII's birthday? I did. Yeah. So we missed out by a day to wish him happy birthday. And tomorrow is the legendary Terry Funk's birthday. Um, my dear friend, probably the greatest living wrestler, um, absolute legend of the ring, uh, Terry turns 77 tomorrow. So happy birthday, Terry, and happy birthday, Henry. Yes, happy birthday to Terry. But not so much a happy to Henry. He might not deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> well, my day in history is actually pretty, 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 pretty cool. Today in history, June 29th, 1863, the Union Army made a 23-year-old Brigadier General. That 23-year-old, George Armstrong Custer. Became a brigadier general at the age of 23, Lauren. I just remember his last stand as it was taught to me. That My teacher had no time for him. She viewed him with contempt. Well, he kind of fucked that last one up. Yeah, just a, just a tad. But I just remember her saying it. Just the way she said it, she was uh, she had all the disdain for him in the world. It was you know delivered with a venom. You know what the best part of Custer's last stand was? Near my house, growing up, there was a frozen custard stand called Custard's Last Stand. <laughs> That's the best. They had good custard. I like custard. You like custard, Lauren? I do like custard, but I think. Your frozen custard is different to our custard. Yeah, yours is that creepy shit you put in, like, pastries. Yes. Uh, frozen custard is like a very soft frozen ice cream. Oh, yeah, I, I know what you mean. Like, we call it Mr. Whippy. Sort of, except that sounds, like, really perverse. <laughs> Lauren, want to see my Mr. Whippy? No, thank you. <laughs> On that note, let's hear your day in history. Okie dokie. So, my day in history is on the 29th of June, 1613, Shakespeare's Globe Theatre in London burns down during a performance of Henry VIII. So, the day after Henry's birthday, they burn the yeah, theatre yeah. down. Um, well, well, what it was, it was one of the cannons used during um, the, the second half of the performance um, went off and the roof caught on fire. So basically they decided to fire off a live cannon in the theater. Well, of course. I mean, there was no special effects. It was 1613, Brian. Yeah, what could go wrong there? <laughs> well, it hadn't gone wrong before, Brian. It only takes once, Lauren. It only takes once. I mean, I mean, if you've ever been to the Globe, you will know that even today the roof is thatched. Did you know that after the Great Fire of London, that thatched roofs were made illegal in London? I did not. They were. So, 
um, when they were rebuilding the globe, they had to um, they had to apply for special permission. So legally, the only building in London that can have a thatched roof is the Globe Theatre. Because it only went bad once. Yeah. Well, yes, and the Great Fire of London was pretty devastating. Yeah, and, you a know, little bit. Which is, makes you wonder why they call it the Great Fire when they should have called it the motherfucking destructive piece of shit fire. Um, yeah, I, I think they, they called it the Great Fire because um, obviously it was great in its vastness and also because it did kind of help stop the plague. And it did roast every marshmallow in your country. Yes. Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. That was a bad joke. What do you say I fire up the uh, magic interview box? We best had. We've kept. We've kept our dear guest waiting. All right. It's the magic interview box. Oh, I'm excited for this guest, Lauren. So uh, why don't you flip the switch? I will. <laughs> Lauren, this magic interview box is so magic because we are, like, invading people's marriages now because everybody knows one of our favorite guests of all times, the great Ansel Birch, who's been on a few times. Well, we snuck into his little, into his, into his magic interview box, and we took his wife out. <laughs> and let me tell you, folks, you are going to love her more than you love him, even, because she is not only a historian an actress, one of the all-around sweetest people you'll ever meet. She's also Aww. quite possibly the country's greatest costume cosplayer. <laughs> to the point where I think I've accidentally almost proposed to several of her characters a few times. Much to the dismay of her husband and my girlfriend. But we have the great Tabitha Birch on the show with us today. And we're going to be talking about a topic very near and dear to my heart because, Lauren, you know I love pirates. Arr! I do. Pirates are pretty amazing. But well, before... Certain pirates. Most of them are assholes, but certain pirates are pretty amazing. <laughs> well, before we start talking about pirates, everybody who knows me knows I, I love I love pie. You know, I love, like, I love pie. Pie is delicious, right? So, on my vacations, when I went to St. Martin... Cherry pie cost me six dollars. That's not bad. Then when I went to Antigua, that same fucking pie cost me seven dollars. My stop in Jamaica, it was eight dollars. That's the Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh. Lauren, didn't you like it? No, I didn't. It's awful and terrible. How 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 could you even? That, that is a dad That's... joke if I've ever heard one. Uh, okay, I got one that more one more something. pirate joke. One more pirate joke before we get going, because I love me pirate jokes. How did the pirate quit smoking? I don't know. He used the patch. Yep. yep. <laughs> now. When your husband was on and we were talking about the great pirate Martin Frobisher, mm -hmm. arr, he kept yelling at me that it wasn't the R type of pirate. True. Uh, d that comes later. Uh, a lot of it has to do with the uh, accent and where a lot of the pirates are from. 
Um, and that just happens to be their accent. Uh, Do you know what Frobisher the pirates... was not from the same area as like uh, like Drake and and others that have been uh, more well known as far as pirates go. Do you, do you know what sailors. a pirate's favorite letter is? There are two versions of that, but what's what's your answer to that one? Well, most people think it's the R, but it's really the C. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love pirate jokes. <laughs> Lauren hates when I do pirate jokes. <laughs> well, you have got a pirate that's right up our alley. Because, as you know, Lauren is one of the world's leading figures on feminism and the suffrage movement and girl power and all things women's rights and women. And Lauren, female pirates! Who, who, who are you going to be telling us all about today? I'm uh, going to be talking about Grania Nuella, uh, also known as Granuel, uh, or as the English say, Grace O'Malley. Um, so she was, uh, she was a, a pirate, uh, a, a businesswoman, um, at the same time that Elizabeth was ruling. So Queen Elizabeth I. They're about the same age. Uh, I believe Grace was a couple years older than Elizabeth. Um, so... During that whole uh, golden age of her being queen, uh, Grace was also leading her people and uh, being a pirate and working both sides of the fence. Why? Now, I know this is an audio-only podcast, so people can't Mm -hmm. see us, but why are you not dressed like Grace? (laughs) Uh, One, the pandemic, because I don't know if the outfit would fit. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You and my Um, cat. Yes, my cat has got her COVID belly going right now. Uh, my couple of the pieces that I have worn aren't owned by me. Uh, they're they're owned by the fair. Uh, I've uh, portrayed her at the Bristol Renaissance Fair for a couple of years. So, we know uh, the in real Kenosha, Wisconsin, is that Ansel refused to allow you to go on camera with me dressed as Grace O'Malley, right? <laughs> That's actually probably true. That's probably more accurate. Now. <laughs> Are you telling me she's not an R pirate? Uh, well, she was she was very Irish, um, obviously, but um, she was from the west coast of Ireland, uh, which is one of the last places to actually get English, uh, Englishified, I suppose, or taken over, because it was really treacherous to get to that area by land and by sea, um, so that she had a stronghold in that entire area. Uh, so she tried to... Uh, do what was best for her, her family, and her people. Um, and I, I don't feel that she's an R pirate. I mean, she spoke Irish, obviously. Um, but uh, it's been documented that she was also taught, uh, as the boys would have been taught. So she knew how to speak Latin. Um, and the amount of sailing she does, I'm sure she spoke some Spanish, some French, English, because she dealt with all of all of those. Uh, during her legitimate sailing and her not-so-legitimate business on the side. Uh, so, But she didn't speak Welsh. Um, I don't know, honestly. She may have. Because um, Lauren speaks Welsh, but I think she's making it up. I don't think it's really a language. Mm. Oh, really? A lot of people think that about Irish, too. So uh, the two of them have some things in common. We, uh, they do, yes. Yes. More so, so than... Scottish Gaelic. Yes. Although some Scottish and some Irish Gaelic words are similar. Um, so, 
they branch off a little bit from the same root, um, which is, you know, and, and she spoke Latin, so she may have been able to communicate with Elizabeth uh, in Latin, or she may have spoken of English, because the English were all over Ireland at that time, so, to communicate properly. Yeah, you kind of got to speak English, or you're not going to be able to, like, order coffee. <laughs> I mean, I learned that when I was, like, over in, 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 in the UK, that... You, you can order food in any language, but everywhere they understand English when you're ordering food. I, I suppose that might be true. I personally don't have that uh, knowledge, but... <laughs> Although the food in the UK, awful. Don't eat it. See, I heard that's a misconception. No. So a lot of people think that, um, but the, the main food of England is uh, uh, Indian food, and I love Indian food, so... Yeah. One hot dog, Brian. One hot dog, and you judge us all on one hot dog. <laughs> I do. Yes, that was the worst thing I've ever had in my life. I yeah. I just ugh, we won't talk about the English hot dogs. They're bad. But I want to. I, I gotta ask you about about the marriage. Which one? Yours. Oh, my marriage to Ansel. Okay. Because he he's a Frobisher cat. Yes. And you're a Grace kitten. Yes. Who wins in the fight? Oh, Grace every time. Exactly. How yeah. does he deal with that? Um, he accepts that. Yeah, because he knows that Gra- Grace was more badass, whereas Martin was just fucking bonkers. Well, I don't know if she was more badass. She was very good at what she did. Um, and so was Martin. I mean, he had to, both of them had to be good at what they did to live so long. Um, I mean, he was shot... And then get gangrene. Grace died of old age, so who's better? Yeah, she's tougher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, it, it's so funny because people don't think of women as these badass pirates. And, and she really was. I mean, she's oh. as badass as the legendary pirates out there. She was so good at what she did. She was. She, she was so good that... Uh, uh, most of her crew were different members of different clans um, that were working together under her, uh, and they stayed with her and was loyal to her to the end. Um, when her first husband died, she had a crew uh, of men from all over, and they followed her when she back when she went back home to work with her father uh, with his sailing uh, <laughs> and trading uh, business. So they were very loyal to her uh, because she was good at what she did. She, it, if she wasn't good at what she did, she wouldn't have been successful, and uh, uh, she wouldn't have been able to pay her men, and they wouldn't have been able to eat and feed their families. So, yeah, so much for that. They didn't even let women on the boats. I, I mean, I, so in Ireland. Ireland before English rule was a lot different as far as the male, female, uh, men and women, how they were treated versus after uh, after it went under English rule. Um, prior to English rule, women had uh, rights just like men to own land. Uh, the money they had was theirs. When they went into a marriage, if for whatever reason the marriage didn't work out, the husband died, she got her dowry back full. Like, it wasn't the man's. It, they divorced. She got her dowry back. Uh, women could file for women could divorce men um, and women could own land in their own right um, again prior to English rule so 
Yeah, and that's something I want to ask both you and Lauren about, especially you, Lauren. You know, you England was a country ruled by a queen, and yet they mm-hmm. took women's rights away. What what the fuck is the deal with that? Oh, and Cleopatra wants to say hi. Hi, sweetie. Mine are camera shy. They don't like to come out. Well, I mean, for England and for a lot of the places around England, it was, that's how it was. The men, uh, titles went to sons and not to daughters. The the first uh, heir, born male heir uh, would get the land if the, the oldest would pass away, wouldn't go to his wife if he were married. If she had a son, it would go to a son. If she only had daughters... Again, neither, none of the family would get it. Uh, it would be like a brother or whatnot, um, where that was not the, uh, the case in Ireland um, for a while. Yeah, I'll never, I'll never understand that. That an empire ruled by a woman says men are superior. Well, unfortunately, it wasn't ruled by women a lot previous to that. It's always been kings. Yeah, she just stuck her heels in and refused to get married because she knew if she did she would lose all of her power it would then her husband would have then all of the power which we know Um, now just by your marriage alone that that's not the case correct because you have the power well that's because grace wasn't english Irish, and, and and she followed irish rules and irish laws um and and unfortunately, that wasn't the case in England because Elizabeth saw what happened to her mother and her stepmothers and all the women. Uh, they were used as pawns, uh, and she did not want to be a pawn. She was used as a pawn uh, before she became queen uh, when she was princess. So she was pretty with it. She was. Uh, Elizabeth was very smart. Uh, she was a very smart, shrewd woman, as was Grace. So um, yeah, Grace. Grace and Elizabeth had a lot in common. They had a lot of things that were different, but they were both very strong women who led men um, and very strong wills and, you know, had power in their own right. Um, Obviously, where that diverged was Grace still kept the power after she was married to both of her husbands uh, and through uh, having sons, but Grace had her own power. Um... She was made chieftain for a while of the O'Malley clan after her father passed away. She was chief? She was chieftain for... Wow. Yeah. So the thing with chieftains um, and uh, McWilliams is you're elected. It doesn't go from family member to family member. Sometimes it does. But the people elected Grace to take over the leadership because she could they felt she was able to provide for the people uh, and protect them. So that's why you were named a chieftain, was you were good at fighting, you could provide... Yeah, she, they were afraid of her. <laughs> yes! Um, so she would do everything she can to protect her people and provide for them, and uh, they were her first. It, as far as reading between the lines uh, of her biographies, they were her first priority, was her people so how, and her family. How did she get started on this infamous career? Uh, her father. Uh, she loved the sea from an early age. Um, one of my favorite stories is uh, her mother was completely against it, of course. Um, so she, so Grace had a brother. Um, 
Donald of the Pipes. And I believe it is her father's son through a previous marriage prior to marrying Grace's mom, uh, Maeve, or Margaret. Um, He had zero desire to sail. Uh, He was either a musician uh, of the Pipes' also, if he liked to drink, the two of them could go together. Who knows? Uh, But Grace, from an early age, loved the sea, loved sailing. She'd go on, you know, trips with her father and learn how to sail. Um, And she wanted to be a sailor like her father was. And he taught her. Um, My favorite story of Grace was her Grunuel nickname. Uh, When she was a young girl, her father was going going to a trading, uh, go further than normal for Grace to go with, I believe, to Spain to go trade or, or whatnot. And her mother refused to let her go. <laughs> uh, Grace was about... It, it varies in the history, but between 7 and 10 uh, years old. And, again, it varies who's telling the story, which biographer is telling the story. She either stowed away or uh, she presented herself uh, as a and disguised herself as a young boy. Um, but the crux is she chopped off all of her hair uh, and had short hair because one of the, the things that was used as an excuse was her hair could get caught up in, in the, the, the riggings and such. So she cut off all of her hair to disguise herself to be a boy or to present herself as, hey, you can't use this excuse anymore. I cut off all my hair. I'm seaworthy. Uh, um, yes. So granuel means grace the bald. Um, so that was her longest, most, uh, and that's where most people or uh, friends, family, they would call her Grenuel, uh, instead of just Grenya. So, and that means Grace the Bald. So, I mean, uh, she was legit. I mean, she was a yeah. trader oh, and yeah. a, a total legit, uh, sea person. Nothing, nothing shady, nothing crazy, nothing kooky, <laughs> but that didn't last. No, uh, her her father wasn't uh, fully legit either. Well, who Uh, was? Well, the O'Malley's uh, were notorious for um, providing a a service to uh, the ships that were sailing through the rocky waters at the coast of Ireland to get to uh, Galway, uh, the port. So they would charge those a fee to safely escort them uh, to get to the port of Galway. Um, The O'Malley's were banned from being in Galway because of basically kind of like shaking people down for money in order to get them safely there. So They ran a protection racket. Yeah, exactly. Um, Her and her family knew those waters, uh, and they knew where the rocks were, and they knew how to safely navigate through those waters. Uh, and if they didn't pay, they just let them... Hey, go hit a rock. Hit. Exactly, and then they would just raid the boat as it was singing, uh, sinking. So, But she also did legitimate piracy on open sea as well. Um, <laughs> but a, a lot of the O'Malley racket was they charged a, a, a safety fee to get you safely to land. <laughs> so, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's a, no. that's a public service. It is a public service. Yeah, just, you know, if you don't pay up, fuck yourself is not the right <laughs> attitude for that public service. It's just, <laughs> let's face it, that they, that still happens. It does. But uh, she, uh, 
tough. And she took no shit even from an early age. No, she learned how to fight alongside the the men. Uh, She learned how to sail alongside the men. Uh, It's been recorded that she, on land and by sea, she would go into battle and charge in with the men, not hang hang back and order the men to do it. She went into battle herself with her men and fought alongside her men. Well, she had to be even a, a little she more had to be a, crazy. She had to be a better sailor than most men in order to be respected. And a better fighter. Yes. And more brave or, or crazy. A little column A, a little column B. Yeah, because first off, to gain the respect of the men around, especially if she started doing this when she was, what, 7 to 10? Yeah, she was a young young girl when she learned, started sailing. For a while, she didn't because she got married and she did the proper lady, uh, legit, you know, the proper thing for a woman to do. She got married at age fifteen, um, but then she sailed with uh, and sailed the O'Flatteries ships because her husband, also named Donald, um, Donald of the Battles. <laughs> so, okay, so in just like when in England, the Irish, a lot of people had the same names. Uh, but in Ireland, they had nicknames. So Donald the Pipes, which is her brother, then her first husband, Donald of the Battles, uh, O'Flaherty was her husband. So they, they had nicknames, like Grace was Grace the Bald, and so on. All right, so I'm of Irish descent. Yes. I'm going to allow both of you to say, what do you think my nickname would have been? Oh, I don't know if I know you well enough. <laughs> I mean, her her father was Black Oak. Uh, and because he was such a, a strong, big guy, uh, he immovable. So maybe something along those lines. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe it could have been like Brian the Ho-Ho. <laughs> I like Ho-Hos a lot. Um, Lauren, what do you Brian think they called me? Brian the Cherry Pie. Brian, so. Brian the Cherry Pie. Lauren, what would my nickname have been? Brian the Chicken Wing. Brian the... Ooh, I like Brian the Chicken Wing. I like him here. And then I could be like Lord Brian of Duffs. <laughs> yeah, I, I needed I need a good Irish nickname. Um, See, the the thing with the, with the nicknames, you don't take your own nickname, it's given to you. Oh, shit. Yep. Uh, Someone has to give you the nickname. Well, I, okay, all the people listening right now, please do not send in your Brian Irish nicknames because I know they'll be really do, nasty. Please do. Do it. Please do, do it. it. Please <laughs> do it. Yeah, yeah, do it. <sighs> I will report. I will report the Irish nicknames we get. Brian the Obnoxious, I'm sure, will be a lot of them. <laughs> so Grace the Bald. <laughs> yes. Which One of her many nicknames because she had several nicknames as well. So Did she like her nicknames? Um, I'm going to guess yes, because especially the first one, because she, every nickname she earned, um, Granny Wild, Grace the Bald, um, one of her other nicknames is Dark Lady of Dona, um, Grace the Gambler, uh, there was also, uh, obviously, Pirate Queen, uh, Grace the so, Gambler sounds hot. I mean, she's a pirate, I'm, she gambled alongside of her men, I'm positive, so, and she was very good at also gambling and being able to figure out logistically when is a good time to fight and when is a bad time to fight. Right. Is, uh, is, is Ansel listening right now? No, he's actually in the other room doing something, uh, okay. doing some games. So you want to dress up as Grace the Gambler and go to Vegas with me? <laughs> I said 
said Grace was good at it. I didn't say I was. I don't care if you're good at it. I just, okay. you know, just look the part. I mean, all you have to do is dress uh, in uh, 16th century Irish and you're fine. Yeah. And, you know, in Vegas, they won't even look twice at you, so it's okay. No, they won't. I'm, I'm, I'm bad. I'm terrible. <laughs> but... Um. Which we gonna, yeah, we're she, gonna have to go back to some of these costumes you've you've done you've done characters for a little oh, later in the episode, okay? Yes. But I want to talk about Grace becoming, in my words, the R pirate, the open seas pirate, which she became mm-hmm. like feared and badass. When was this? Because Probably, it wasn't overnight, but she had to have developed no, a reputation. No, it wasn't. She she did get a reputation. Well, her family had a reputation. Um, their motto is strong, uh, strong by land and by sea. Um, she started actually doing piracy uh, when she was married to a flattery, uh, her first husband, because he was chieftain, but a horrible chieftain. Uh, he was constantly gambling away their money um, and not being able to provide for his people. So she took his ships and took men and started piracy, started being a pirate to feed his people. So that is when she started to actually get into being a pirate. Uh, after he was killed in uh, by a rival clan, she then went back to uh, Clare Island and to her father and father's business, and the men that served under her with the O'Flatteries went with her. Um, See, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. That yeah. They went with her Yes, to the other clan. Yeah, she had, most of her crew was different clan members. It wasn't just all O'Malley's or all O'Flatteries. They were from all over, um, and they were very loyal to her. It, 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 how does history, I mean, we obviously history does know her because there's books about her and people have talked about her, but she's not, that doesn't instantly come to mind when you think of these legendary pirates, the Blackbeards, the Bluebeards, but... Well, because she's a woman, and for the longest time, the, Eng- uh, the Eng- Irish, especially Irish historians, because Grace wasn't a pure... She played both sides of the fence for the benefit of her people. She didn't just do it for the benefit of Ireland. Um, so at times she helped the English, at times she helped the Irish. So she wasn't a true patriot, uh, and also she was a woman. So they tried to bury her history... Uh, but fortunately for Grace, England is really good at keeping records. Yeah. And there's a, a record of uh, letters between Grace and Elizabeth uh, back and forth uh, in about 1580s, 1590s, because uh, she went and saw Elizabeth in 1593 um, after Bingham. Bingham was the first person to actually stop her and was able to stop her from sailing. Uh, she was always able to at least sail and uh, do piracy, but he landlocked her. Uh, and her people will start, were starving, so she appealed to the Queen, Queen Elizabeth, to get basically Bingham off her back. Uh, Bingham murdered her first son, her oldest son. She had uh, Bingham had her youngest son captive, so she appealed to Elizabeth, and records of the letters back and forth between Elizabeth and Grace still exist because England is really good at keeping <laughs> records. Now, did did Liz like her or respect um, her? 
There's not a lot known about the actual meeting between the two of them. Um, it is noted that Grace met Elizabeth as her equal, uh, not as her queen. Because Grace consider she people consider her like queen of like leader of her people, um, pirate queen or whatnot. So Grace was a leader. Elizabeth was a leader. So Grace met her at, at, on equal footing. Uh, which was really bold of Grace to do, because she was meeting Elizabeth in England, uh, in Greenwich, yeah. on Elizabeth's home turf. It, it, we're, in 2021, we're told we're still not allowed to look at royals in the eyes. Yeah. And, and she didn't. Yeah, she didn't bow. She didn't reverence her. She. Yeah. yeah. One one of the stories, and this is a small little power play. Is uh, it's been recorded Elizabeth was taller than I mean, sorry, Grace was taller than Elizabeth. So when Elizabeth went to shake her hand, uh, Grace extended her hand above the Queen's, so the uh, those the Queen had to bring her hands up to meet Grace's, rather than, rather than Grace bringing her hand down to Elizabeth. This is she's so, so badass. <laughs> it's a tiny little power play, uh, and I. I think Elizabeth saw in Grace similarities between the two of them uh, and respected her as a woman uh, and as a leader. Uh, and I'm sure Grace felt the same as Elizabeth. So. It's little power plays like that that seem mm-hmm. so in- insignificant yeah. are huge throughout history that people don't realize. And they're still played to this day. Mm-hmm. I mean, look about when uh, when uh, President Biden just had his meeting with, with Putin. Right. Biden insisted, hey, show up at this place at this time, and when you get there, have the people call me, and I'll come and meet you. Which was just a power, power play, things. because yeah. Putin is all about, I make people wait for me to show up, so I have the upper hand. Biden was like, yeah, when you get there, have them call me, and I'll show up. It seems exactly. so meaningless and unimportant until you looked at that's just a psychological power play struggle. Yes. And that's the exact same thing as the handshake. It's just a little mm-hmm. psychological. It's a it's an insult, but it's not an insult. It's just um it's a mind game. And for Grace to go in there and have the balls to do that to the queen is pretty impressive. Yes. I I think you'd have known if you'd have insulted Elizabeth, she'd have been dead. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, true. Oh. So I don't, I don't think, I, I think Elizabeth was immune to power plays. So it wouldn't have bothered her. You don't even think psychologically it might have gotten under her skin a little no. bit? No. No, considering what she'd seen in her life. I mean, she saw one stepmother die in childbirth. Her mother was executed. One of her stepmother, one of her other stepmothers was executed. The, her fourth stepmother uh, took care of her then brought her into a household where she may or may not have been sexually assaulted or abused by her stepfather so i don't think very i don't think elizabeth allowed very much to insult her and at that time in 1593 they were both they were both around the same age because they both passed away in 1603 so they were in the the senior of of their lives and I think at that time in their life they'd both seen a lot and both experienced a lot so I, I just see, Grace is like I want to hang out with Grace I yes I would love to sit at a table with Grace 
but not uh, in a battle with her because I would obviously I would lose. Um, yeah, I just want to gamble with her. <laughs> I'd still lose with that too. I'd lose against gambling. Yeah, but that'd be um, fun. Yes. There have been reports when she met with Elizabeth, the two of them went off together by themselves, so they went behind closed doors, so who knows what happened between the two of them. Um, I'm sure they both talked and told stories and... Probably uh, not mud wrestling. No, no. <laughs> just, sorry. I mean, Grace got her way. Uh, Bingham was told to uh, back off and to release Grace's son. Uh, granted, he didn't leave Ireland when he should have, because uh, Bingham was not happy about it. But he and he didn't do what uh, Elizabeth had ordered him to do right away. He was forced to. So let's give a little timeline of Grace's adventures. Okay. Because she had a pretty lengthy career. She did. She, uh, which is also very impressive. She captained in, uh, her own ship in 1593, uh, when, and she was born in 1530. So she was still sailing uh, into her 60s, uh, and she had been sailing since she was seven or ten years old. Uh, with you know time off in between here and there, but. have some kids and you know yes. gamble a little. Well, she was married to 15. Uh, she had three children with uh, O'Flattery. Uh, two boys and a girl. Uh, first son, the one that was murdered by Bingham, uh, was named after her father, Owen. And then uh, Murrow, and then she had a daughter, uh, Margaret, or Maeve, with O'Flattery. But, so you want to go a uh, timeline of her deeds? Yeah, her career. Her, uh, her career. Um not, ex- not full, obviously. We'll jump yeah, around right, right, right. and hit the highlights. But because she, highlights. over 50 years on the seas. I mean. Well, not just, she fought on land, too. She uh, she captained men and, or, and fought with men on land as well. Uh, and was a leader fighting men. Um, so after her husband, her first husband, Donald, was murdered by the Joyces, they murdered him because he had taken a castle from the Joyces, and they called it Cox Castle, because uh, <laughs> Donald bragged about it, <laughs> and so the Joyces weren't happy, so they went and murdered him while uh, he was hunting. Murdered so they, over a Cox. Exactly. Well, murdered over him being a, a jerk. Uh, Donald was not a, a, a nice person. Um, I mean, he his nickname was Of the Battles, so he liked to fight. Uh, so I'm sure he bragged and the Joyces weren't happy about it and it was originally their castle uh, so they murdered him because they I mean that's what the Irish did keep your hands uh, off my cocks um, so they figured that they'd be able to get that castle back no problem now that he was dead uh, they did not take into account Grace she did not let them take the castle and uh, she fought with such ferocity, they then changed the name to Hen's Castle. Uh, and she kept that castle uh, and defeated the, the men who tried to take that back from her. Uh, so that's one of her... And, and that was on land. So that was uh, one of the, the things she fought on land. Um, see, another highlight was... And this was a, this was a power play. Uh, this is in about 15... 15- 74, uh, Henry 
and Philip Sidney uh, came to Ireland. Henry Sidney, I believe, is the father. He was uh, put in charge of Ireland, per se. Um, and Grace offered to bring him where he wanted to go. Safely. For, for a fee. Of course. And she charged him. And, and the reason she did this was to show him what kind of people she had and her men that she had at her command and her troops that were on the ships that she captained to let him know I am not a force to be reckoned with I have I'm very powerful woman look at all these men that I have following my lead and will do what I say right uh, Philip Sidney was smitten with Grace and wrote poetry to her <laughs> um, I'm going to so the reason we know that she charged Henry is because again England is really good at keeping records there is a receipt that he submitted to the Queen to be reimbursed for the money that he paid <laughs> Grace for sailing and safely bringing her where, bringing him where he wanted to go <laughs> for safe passage. Mm-hmm. So um, you're basically I'm going to totally nerd out here just for the yeah. sake of Lauren. You're basically saying Grace was like Ricardo Montalban on Star Trek. She was like Khan. <laughs> Like, she's got all these people that will die at her command and fears no one. Yes, but she wasn't crazy. Well, a she's crazy. a little crazy. I mean, anyone that is in that kind of... They have to have a certain mindset. But she wasn't mad by any means. Okay, yeah, I'll give uh, you, I'll give you Ricardo Montalban was, was mad. He was a little mad. But he was pissed, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, she hated being disrespected. Um one of again another favorite story of mine with Grace, and again this is not a sailing story. She had um, it, the it's a little fuzzy, obviously, because a lot of these are hearsay stories, of course. Um, but she had been sailing and pulled into port uh, in in Ireland uh, near Howith Castle, uh, and I don't know if you know the story of the family no. of Howith. Apparently, it's Irish. Uh, tradition that if someone in a leadership role such as Grace goes to a, another, a large family uh, like the house um, that they are to give them room and board if asked so she went to ask because it was storming and before take, making the final leg to home uh, and she was turned away uh, from Howith Castle because the family was at dinner and eating Oh boy. And she found that very insulting. Now, how she came across the grandchild and the tenth who was going <laughs> to be the tenth Baron of Howith, I don't know. Okay, first off, uh, you know the she... story's going to get weird when you start it with how she came across yeah. the grandchild. But <laughs> she kidnapped the, because the eighth Baron uh, of Howith uh, is the gentleman who basically turned her away. She kidnapped his grandson. And brought him to her house, to her home, and made him pay ransom. And she didn't want his silver or his gold. She wanted a promise that anytime anybody knocks and asks for shelter, that they are to feed them. Uh, and he, as a promise, gave him the family ring, 
which has been passed down. It's been, I believe it's a, it's been made into a brooch or, uh, through the generations. And Howith Castle still always has an empty place setting because it's still owned by the family. And there's a street named after her, I believe, uh, in that area. So, so now, it's it's crazy. See, you start that story and you think, all right, this is one twisted bitch. And then you find out she's like, yeah, I'll steal your kids, but so that you're better people. Yeah, because so. he disrespected her as a leader. So she taught him a lesson. Now, what, <laughs> did she treat the grandson well when she had him? Do we know? I, I, I mean, he was returned in one piece, and he became the tenth Baron How of uh, So, I'm assuming she did. Yeah, did um, he like I, write love letters to Grace the rest of his life, like some kind of crazed? Uh... No, I, I honestly don't know what he felt after that. It, it's not recorded. Um, there are some historians that try to attribute that to her second husband Richard, um, but it's. I think that's only because to write Grace out of the narrative is why that, that has happened. Uh, yeah. And they tried to write out of the narrative and couldn't. Yeah, that's... that's. I know we're looking at it through 2021 eyes that it seems so bullshit that they tried to write her out of history and they don't teach about her. But, I mean, that's a fact. I mean... That's a fact with a lot of women. Think uh, about how not, many Graces yeah. we don't know about. Um, and if it weren't for Anne Chambers, uh, whose biography is my Bible, um, and she's the one who found the letters to to Elizabeth, and she's done all the research, uh, so she has a lovely biography uh, out uh, about Grace, and that's in its multiple printings. Uh, she has written a little, like, two-woman play between Elizabeth and Grace, uh, Anne Chambers, Chambers have, has um so she ann chambers has done a really good job of bringing grace back into history all right all right all right sequel idea you and lauren record this two-woman play <laughs> man if i were if i could go to ireland when that was happening i would have seen it in a heartbeat well if we can get uh, the copy of the play you and lauren reenact it <laughs> lauren you want to be elizabeth I, I, Anne Chambers has tours that she does strictly only for women and brings you to different places of history where Grace has been and things that uh, in Ireland uh, that has been renowned uh, as a place where Grace has lived and has been. So. Lauren, you play Elizabeth? Yes. See? Yeah, why not? Go on. <laughs> Let's do a little now. Come on, give us a little. Uh, pretend you're Elizabeth for a oh second, and, and talk to talk to talk to Tabitha's Grace. Gosh, no! You put me on the spot now. I'm not going to do that. We'll just say, <laughs> "Hey, Grace, how I are you?" I haven't done an Irish accent, and I don't know how long because of the mm-hmm. pandemic. So I need to. I, <laughs> I'm rusty on my Irish accent. Uh, can we write a third character into the obnoxious butler that keeps coming in to like <laughs> spill drinks for like slapstick moments? I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, she wouldn't. Um, what, you wouldn't have been called a butler. You'd be more like an equerry or a or a kitchen boy. Well, I don't want to be kitchen boy. I'll be equerry, <laughs> but I'll come in and I'll do like three Stooges pratfalls. And <laughs> would you be Irish or would you be English? American, just to make it even American. weirder. <laughs> Like, I think that I'm would, from the new world. 
I would love to actually get a copy of this play, and not the whole play, but just have the two of you reenact like one scene of it, because that would be so cool to hear. There was a uh, podcast that Ann Chambers did with the two women who played Elizabeth and uh, Grace, where they read a snippet of the the play that, that yeah, they well, were Yeah, well, you know what? Those two women aren't Lauren and Tabitha. They, but true, but they were actually Irish and actually English, uh, where I'm not actually Irish, so... Well, Lauren's actually of UK descent. Yeah, Welsh. So, so um, Elizabeth was a little bit Welsh too. So there you go. Qualification. Yeah. And she could speak Welsh as well. So you know. Yeah. Yes, Elizabeth spoke many languages. Uh, so, which is again fascinating. The that they were both obviously Elizabeth was because she was a princess, but the two women that were taught that uh, women weren't normally taught to read or write or whatnot, just as a general rule. Um, so, which is fascinating. It's sad, though. Elizabeth yes. was only a princess for three years of her life until she was three years old, and then she wasn't a princess anymore. Yes, true. Because all of that turmoil with her father. Oh, Henry. <laughs> That's a good yes. candy bar. <laughs> Indeed. Well, I know the Irish loved Mary as queen because Mary ignored Ireland, and they were very happy about it. She she was more she she wanted the the Inquisition to come to um, England, and her husband, who was Spanish, was like, no, 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 that would be a mistake. And he was he came from the country where it was from, so yes, yeah. (laughs) So the Irish loved Mary as uh, being queen because they were ignored. Uh, Henry was the one who started the whole uh, taking over, trying to take over uh, England well, the, or Ireland. The, the thing is, is he was kind of tricked into being king of Ireland. He didn't really want to be king of yeah. Ireland. He just, he, he was just forced on him, and then he was like, "Well, what do I everything, do?" <laughs> yeah, and he kind of did it with the act of unification with Wales. And then it's like, "Well, I've inherited it." I might as well make it just uniformed and just might make it all England and that'll be okay. So he didn't really want to be King of Ireland. But it was forced upon him as a trick. Yep. By the Irish. Well, and the Irish, the the, the whole having their land re-granted to them as long as they went under English rule, which is why you then got barons and such of, of in Ireland was all due to England. So... And that's when they stopped with the whole electing their officials. It was then bloodline. Um, that's that's um, that was their revenge before they they forced him. To, well, they said if you're going to do this to us, you've got to be king of, of Ireland. And I think what I, I think I think what his plan was is if he'd have had another son, he, it would there would have been a prince of Ireland as there is right. a prince of Wales. Yes. But then they were kind of like, well, if you're going to do this to us, we need a king. And he didn't really want to be king of England. Exactly. Or king of Ireland. He wanted to be king of England. Yeah. Uh, tricky Celtic people. <laughs> Smoking like a true Welsh. Trixies, yes. <laughs> Lord, Trixie Hobbit said. <laughs> Lord, you got any great was... questions to throw in there? Um, no, not really. I don't know much about Grace. I know more about Anne Bonny and those uh, and that came Mary after. Riley. Uh, yes. yes. Yeah, they weren't. Yes, they they kind of didn't have the success that Grace had. No, uh, they were arrested. 
they were arrested and then they had to sort of they got pregnant to save themselves from dying so all very weird so i think it was didn't mary riley die in prison though one of them did yes one of, one of them, them did and one yeah. didn't yeah i know one, one of them, them yeah one of them took took up the offer to plead pregnancy because if you plead pregnancy you bought yourself a, a year and then anything can happen in a year disappearing yeah but one of them I know died in prison the other and didn't I don't think they ended up going back to sea again uh, afterwards where Grace is that was her life so yeah Grace is not being taken away from the sea no no um my, my one of my favorite stories again this is all hearsay is while she was at sea when she was pregnant with her fourth child, her youngest, uh, with her second husband, Richard, who they're technically, I think, divorced, but she had a kid by him anyway. It's complicated. Not really. You see, they just met up one night, and it's (laughs) it's really not that difficult. Well, the the thing with Grace is she married Richard for a couple of reasons, Uh, and this is uh, Richard Burke, uh, Richard of Iron, her second husband, because... He was a, a, a good warrior. Um, he was in line to become the lower MacWilliam uh, of the area, which is a higher than a chieftain. Where you think of a chieftain as a, as a mayor, he's like the governor of the mayors, I guess. I think is how that works. It's confusing. Also, hit Rockfleet Castle was strategically located along the west coast of Ireland, so she wanted his castle. (laughs) So she married him for political reasons, and they're both warriors, and that would benefit each other. Uh, After a year, um, because this was an Irish, it was a trial wedding, after a year, you can just declare that it doesn't it's not working out and then boom you're not married anymore uh so historically grace after a year said richard i release you uh while she was in his castle uh and basically claimed the castle is his he just never went away sounds like an american Um, marriage i'm keeping the i'm keeping the house kids you go but i mean he never went away after they still worked together and fought alongside of each other they just weren't married and he was fine with it he was so richard accepted that so like a marriage Uh, of convenience yes uh and it it was a good political marriage and two warriors marrying each other um but she was pregnant with her lat her last son her youngest um theobald or tip uh uh of the the ships because while she was out to sea she went into labor and gave birth to him at sea yes however right after she gave birth either that day or the next day they were attacked by Algerian pirates bastards and so she fought them with a a, a blanket wrapped around her right after giving birth fought them because they were losing until Grace went up on deck to go fight with her men. She rallied them and defeated them and then went back home with their ship 
and her new son. So she fought the day after giving birth or the day of, of giving birth to her son. You know, as one does. Yeah. And one. Okay, Grace is scary now because... Um, wow. One of one of the things that they had said that uh, she had said to them, said, uh, take this for my unconsecrated hands, uh, because for Algerians, a woman whose birth is unclean, and she had just given birth. So she was insulting them with their own religion. She's and like flicking own... afterbirth at them and shit. So she knew enough about their religion that she was considered unclean so she insulted them not only was she a woman she had just given birth and she still handed them there and defeated them you could say handed them their ass you could you, you okay. wanted I to sure. i could tell yes handed them their asses uh and i'm sure uh left no survivors and took their ship so yeah. and went back home see the great thing about this show is you could say whatever you want like I, I've, I've been trying to police uh, my language, but yes. <laughs> I, you know, I found that I have to because I'm doing a lot of interviews on other shows now that aren't as free. And I am, like, so good at be going, yeah, they just kicked the shit out of those fuckers. <laughs> Although, our last episode, if you listen to great David Fisher, New York Times bestseller, 22 bestsellers, was on... And he told me afterwards, it was great. This is the first show I've been on where I got to drop F-bombs. <laughs> <laughs> so, say what you want. I, I'm pretty good at trying to please it, because especially when I do play Grace, uh, I don't swear. Um, unless it's in Irish, so everybody knows Pog Mahon, so which is kiss my ass yeah. in, in Irish. Now... It, it, it's, it's kind of weird little tape I'm going to go on in this direction because we probably don't know and it would all yeah. be speculation but was Grace did she maintain a ladylike mentality especially for the time I mean obviously it's she was hard. married had four kids yeah. so she I was mean, feminine yeah, she, she was feminine and I think she embraced both aspects of her personality because she was she fell in love with a gentleman. Uh, his name was Hugh DeLacy. He was a son of a merchant. Uh, the So the story is she was on pilgrimage when her and her men got word of a ship that had uh, wrecked on the shore. So, of course, hey, we do anything. Let's go get and see what we can pillage off of this wreck. And he was the only survivor, so she nursed him back to health, and they fell in love. I think that was one of the few times she actually fell in love with someone. Hmm. And they were together for a year, but unfortunately in um, Ireland, if you are a leader or a chieftain, you get enemies of other families. And another family ambushed Hugh while she was out at sea and murdered him. And people wonder so, why she was angry. Yes, the McMahons, uh, murdered him so this is where she got her other nickname dark lady of dona <laughs> when the men were um and at, at pilgrim uh when they were at pilgrimage she snuck up because they were on a little island uh, i believe it was for saint bridget's day uh which is a holiday uh, is very huge religious uh, uh in ireland 
she attacked them while they were at pilgrimage and murdered the men that killed her lover and then proceeded to go to Dona Castle and announced that that castle is now hers and if you wish <laughs> if you want to fight me for it you will die a warrior's death if you don't want to fight me I will let you go in peace because she took care of the ones that murdered uh, Hugh and she took over Dona Castle because she was so full of rage that they murdered her lover uh, and that is one of the few stories where it tells that she actually fell in love with someone as opposed to it being a political marriage. Her first husband was with the, the O'Flatteries, who was also a seafaring family, family. So, so it was a political between the O'Malley's and the O'Flatteries. They were front, they were political allies. So it was to re to unite their families. And then Richard Burke was they were both warriors, and it was to unite both of their uh, fronts together. So this was the only time that's really recorded where she fell in love with someone for non-political like it was nothing political about it he was the son of a merchant had nothing to offer her both you and your husband are very accomplished historical uh recreators um you're both incredibly good at it in chicago of all places it's just fun and uh, is that how the two of you met we met at Bristol at the Bristol Renaissance Fair. Yes, yeah. we met there. Um, it took a few years before we got on the dating each other radar. Um, but yeah, that's that's how we met. That's how we knew okay, each first other. First off, but... you know damn well, it didn't take a few years for it to get on his dating radar. He was pursuing that from day one. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm but... pretty sure. I'm older, so he I was pursuing younger than, than me. So. <laughs> no, no, no. He, he was pursuing from day one. Guarantee it. <laughs> and you were just like finally I'll give you my time okay well, it was when he moved closer to where I live that's that's when we got on each other's uh, dating radar see that's uh, and it was, was intentional he probably did that on purpose some people call it romantic some people call it stalking I don't know it worked in your case well they would probably be yeah. <laughs> both, <laughs> both but you and people you gotta follow if, if you could follow Tabitha on Facebook you post countless characters. It's better to follow me on Instagram uh, and on TikTok. Uh, so I I post on both. Um, I'm Upper Ghost PTO one on both Facebook uh, on Instagram and on TikTok. Yes, follow uh, her because these characters are unbelievable. And like. I, I will just pop right, Lauren up at random, oh my god, did you see the video today? <laughs> when you'll do these videos with, like, voices over you, lip-syncing the, those, those are just, those are my TikToks, yes. Uh, oh. and my I, favorite I, one is Nadia. Is, is which one? Nadia. Oh, I love her. I need to do more of her again. <laughs> um, she's fabulous. Ansel needs to do um, Leslie. I, I've bought him a jacket uh, to to be um, John. Uh, what is it, uh, Dakota? Um, Jackie Daytona. Yeah, Jackie Daytona. Yes, I bought him a jacket for Jackie Daytona. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to build his co- we have to build his cosplay. And I'm thinking with like, with you, the way your hair is now, you could easily do like the first few episodes WandaVision. I could. I've done. Uh, 
I, I haven't done her. I've done Agatha Harkness. Ah. But, but and I've done each era of the 50s, 60s, 70s, yes. 80s of Agatha. You could um, do Wanda. I could do Wanda. I would have to look through my wardrobe. Uh, a lot <laughs> of what I do is closet cosplay uh, to see what I have that I could just throw together to look similar enough to their look or something that they would wear, like Nadia. Uh, I have a lot of Victorian clothing. She tends to wear that type of silhouette. Uh, they, they, I've had to buy wigs, but yeah. They are incredible. I mean, for being cos, uh, closet cosplay, I mean, these are, you know, I've, this is going to make me sound so much nerdier than I am, but I've done a lot of like these conventions and things mm-hmm. as, as, oh, as yeah. media and as a writer and stuff. I, I, I have to admit, and I feel bad about this, I've never attended one as a fan, it's always been as media. But I've enjoyed it, so I've become a fan. Mm-hmm. And there are these people that are the cosplay people all over there. They don't hold a candle to what you're doing. Aw, thank you. Uh, I, there are many that are much, much better than I, but I appreciate the compliment. Uh, so I enjoy it. It's something fun that I do. Um, my sister is the one who got me to dress up for my first convention. Uh, and if you know Star Wars... Um, Very well. <clears throat> going to put my nerd uh, hat on but she did the makeup and uh the costuming for shock tea <laughs> wow yes from uh this not not phantom menace but attack of the clones clones yes so i i went as shock tea that was my first endeavor as as going to a convention and then realize how much fun it is to go to a convention dressed up so I've gone dressed up, either in a very technical and a very complicated or an easy closet cosplay. See, but, I don't know how you do that because, like, I was at a couple of these conventions just, like I said, as press, where I'm just in, like, a sport coat and a T-shirt and I'm sweating my balls off. Now, I know you don't have balls to sweat off, but... <laughs> it gets warm. It depends on wearing. One year, a bunch of us got together and did a mashup between Star Wars and Disney where I was Maleficent, but as the Togruta race, because they have the horns, yeah. like Shakti or Ahsoka, but we did it in Maleficent's colors. <laughs> so I was obviously Sith. I had a friend build me this staff that has the little ball on the top with a retractable green lightsaber, because green is the color uh, for her. So that was one of my more complicated ones. Someone made me a headpiece out of uh, silicone, you know, had a beautiful headpiece, which I still have. Um, bald cap, air makeup, uh, air makeup. That was a very complicated one to do. <laughs> but you love but it. But I, I got stopped a lot uh, <laughs> as that one, especially when we were all in a group as well. Um, and so was Mufasa, but in like Obi Wan, but in the colors from Mufasa. Uh, so we. We had a huge group of us that were Disney villains and, you know, the heroes, but as Jedi and Sith. So that was a lot of fun. See, that's, and, and you love it. And I do, yeah. The great thing is when you do your historical ones, mm-hmm. it's educational too. It's not just fun. Oh, yeah. I've, I've done a, a, I, I have to do some more. Especially because I'm not doing Bristol this year. I uh, do some more Grace TikToks. 
um, as opposed to just doing, you know, a comic book or movie or that type of uh, cosplays. Yeah, and I think that's a that. <laughs> excuse me. One one area where a lot of people don't give cosplay the respect it deserves that they make fun of it, oh, it's just, it's nerd culture, which, hey, anybody into it admits it's nerd culture. But at the same time, in this day and age, it's also a great tool for education and enlightenment. I mean, telling the story of grace in cosplay is breaking down hundreds of years of putting this woman away from the history books. Yeah. And you're bringing it to a generation of people that wouldn't, pay attention to a story about this woman pirate from, you know, the 16th century. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, oh my god, there's this woman on TikTok dressed up like this pirate. Yep. And they're going to go and read that book. They're going to learn. I mean, say what you want, people. Call us nerds all you want. This this is a public service, and it's a great education tool. And it's something you should be very proud of. I, thank you. I, I love being uh, Grace. And I when I was Grace... I've been Grace for many years at smaller fairs, but the first year I was Grace at Bristol uh, Renaissance Fair, which is a a large nine-week fair, I realized how much of an impact she has on children. And And obviously I gear toward little girls, but I would... uh, Last year I taught... Not last year, because last year didn't happen. (laughs) 2019, I would do lectures at uh, Bristol has this lovely thing called Queen's College where they have educational you can learn how to do um, black uh, the stitching the uh, like the cuffs uh, black wash black work work, yes Uh, making quills just all kinds of historical type of things that and they have patrons come in pay a fee Uh, I know Ansel taught how to read an astrolabe um, and I told stories about Grace, who I about myself, and ninety eight percent of the people that had gone had never heard of her. Yeah. Uh, it, it's fun when they have. I had one year where a little girl um, knew who I was, like knew who Grace was, because she read about Grace. So I had her tell some of the stories. So I said, you know, just let her tell, teach the class. I'll just sit back. But having the little girl's eyes light up. Um, when they see a woman who has a sword, they think it's the coolest thing. I had a little girl come back the following year dressed up in dress that was similar in style to Grace's with a sword uh, and specifically uh, knew who I was and sought me out two years before that just to talk and we sat and and she had her stories and she read about Grace in the... uh, Oh, what is it called? Um, not Forbidden Princesses, but it's it's a large book that talks about the different women that have been princesses or whatnot. And Grace's story was in one of them too, so that's how she learned about her. See, that's uh, that's amazing that it is. It's a way of keeping history alive. History, yeah. I always say with with our show, one of the things we aim for is is entertainment as well as education, because mm-hmm. history has this habit of being boring. Even a lot yeah. of history podcasts are so boring. 
I'm a historian. Lauren's a historian. We can't get through a lot of these shows because they're just so dry and dull and boring. Making history entertaining is the best thing for education there is because history is as important as any other field of study in education. Oh, definitely. I think even more so. Not even for the fact that you're doomed to repeat it, blah, blah, blah. But history incorporates sociology and life and the future everything revolves around history and if you don't know your history or at least a base knowledge of it right so much of the world's not going to make sense to you and if you can make it entertaining i mean that little girl is probably on a path of life yeah I, I try to make it entertaining without sugarcoating it too much either. Well, you, you can't. You have to be honest. Kids aren't stupid. Yeah. I had um, a gentleman who, again, he came to one of my lectures, and I talked about Grace being a leader and leading men and knowing that her leadership roles, telling her men to go into battle, would mean many of her men would die. And then having to take that and fight alongside them to try to protect them and save, and realize these men are going to die for her and her cause, and the difficulty that had to have caused her, and not just her, but anyone who was leading men into battle. Yes. And there is an entire family who are active and retired Navy men and women, and he came up to me and said, I really identified with that, because I would have to order men when we were into battle and they don't talk about how hard it is to order these men that are loyal to you to possibly go and die. And it's your it's your battle that you're leading them in, and if they die, it's on your watch. Yeah, so. and, and, and sugarcoating things, even with, with piracy. You know, when kids will get this image that all these pirates were on the open seas and they were all clean and wonderful and they were swashbuckling and it was fun. and No, you're telling oh, them the well. truth. This is yeah. brutal. This is hard. This is life. It's hard work. But yeah, it, it, it's real. It's a hard life. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. okay, i got to ask one one quick great story, but i got to go back to it. The, sure. it. Supposedly some quote she said to her son. Oh, to Merle? Yeah. Um, something, his castle was being attacked. And he basically, it is reported that he went to not so much hide behind her, but allowed her to, and it was his home, his castle, I believe, that was being attacked. Uh, I'm trying to figure out, I don't don't remember the exact quote, but it's basically, if you're going to act like a child that I just gave birth to, or something along those lines, basically telling him to man up and get out there and fight. Um, yeah, he. She basically, and and, and she called him a pussy. Yeah. Yes. Um, and in, I can't remember. The quote. In much more colorful terms, but yes. that's what it boiled down to. It boiled out. Yeah, she called him a weakling. And a put you know, uh, you know, if you wish to to be like you were when you were born. Yeah. But yeah. Even with making reference to genitalia. In, in yeah. it. I mean, that shows you how tough and serious she was. But at the same time... She fought him because he sided with Bingham at one point, And she went and attacked his castle. Her own son's castle. Yes. 
Okay, one more thing about Grace. I know, I know I'm going way over time, but I gotta say this. How many castles does one person need? <laughs> she, she had them strategically on the west coast so she could keep an eye on the sea and see if there's anybody in any danger coming in from the sea toward her her land and her people. It just sounds so, so funny. And then she has this castle and I'm like I have one, I have a small apartment and I'm happy. She had five castles, I believe, along five the west castles. coast of Ireland. I believe. Uh, along the west coast of Ireland. Was any of them so white castles? Pa- no, these would have been palaces. These would have been fortifi- no. fortifications. Yes. These would have been these would have been functional buildings. Yes. They'd have, they'd have had living quarters, but they wouldn't have been like you're thinking of. They wouldn't have been like Buckingham Palace or No, it was like one tower. Hand to court. It was yeah. like yeah. So oh, the, the, the top hat the top like the top floor would be if she was sleeping there somewhere a living quarters bottom would be fire hearth and, and So such she had like five kitchen. lighthouses. Yes, I guess. Yeah, that's <laughs> essentially, pretty much what, essentially. Yeah. All right, that's not so bad then. Okay, okay. Because when I'm hearing she's attacked, she got five castles. I'm like, you bitch, <laughs> you real housewives I mean, of, of the high and no seas. No one tried to take them back from her. So <laughs> some of she she got through marriage, and even after Richard died, it was still hers. Even though they weren't wealthy? married. What was that? Did she die wealthy? No. Um, the unfortunate thing with Bingham is because he was the first person to landlock her, and where she made her money was at sea. Yeah. Uh, he was able to finally get her trapped, uh, and she couldn't sail. And he killed her cattle and burned her lands, along with killing her son and capturing and and you know uh, capturing her other son, her youngest son. So he was a real jerk. He oh he was he was horrible he was he was a horrible human being just in general um, yeah they he treated the Irish as if and many English did as if, as if they were inferior. Lauren, so, you're not going to pipe in on that line, are you? We were in the same boat. So. Yeah, I know you were. Yeah, I was going to say, the Welsh were not considered, the English didn't get, like, they thought they were beneath them, too. No, that's so. what I mean, the Welsh. I mean, what yeah. do you have to say about the way you guys were treated by the English? Oh, yeah. The English arrives, oh, this is mine now. Excuse us, we've been here for many generations. <laughs> yeah. Well, by the time that the Tudors came to the throne, things were better for the Welsh because we had helped them get to the throne, so we were yeah. sort of better taken care of and that's the whole act of unification was an attempt to um establish some sort of um resolution for wales and to try and um bring it bring the the standard of living and everything and make everything better in wales so um but yes well then what they did in ireland was similar to what they did to wales as well yeah which was um, fight and starve and kidnap people, kill people. That's what they would do. They would target um, those that could claim power um, and kill them because what they were frightened of in Wales was that we would gain independence again and that we would get our own king because we we, we didn't have one king. We had uh, The country was divided up into um, areas and each king had an area and everything 
Yeah, they use that to their advantage because that's the same in Ireland. It was different areas were ruled by different families. And of course, a lot of the families were warring with each other, so England used that to their advantage. Um, if Ireland was able to unify, I don't think they would have been able to do what they did. Um, but unfortunately, Ireland did not unify. <laughs> they continued to have the, 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 the fighting, uh, infighting, a lot of times between families. And England used that to their advantage, and they won. So. All right, now it's time for the rapid-fire question round before we end the show. All right. All right. <clears throat> More important king. King of England, any one of them, or Burger King? More important, Henry, I think, oh, England. No, Burger. <laughs> Burger's the answer. Unless you said Elvis, then that might be number one. <laughs> Next question. All right. You already said Grace beats Frobisher in a fight. Oh, I mean, she could if she wanted to, yes. Is there Although, anyone who beats her? Bingham beat her in a fight. Just Bingham would. Um, the English, because ultimately they won, so the English did beat her eventually. Um, so okay. until the U.S. kind of kicked their ass, that's right. Well, thank you, France. She she did lose a couple of times, but it was few and far between. And last but not least. Pluto, planet or not a planet? Oh, it's a planet. It's just a tiny Yes! Planet. Lord, did you hear that? Pluto is a planet. <laughs> I don't it, <laughs> it was a planet when I was in school. Still a planet as far as I'm concerned. Best answer. Best answer in a long time. I'm telling you. <laughs> now, promise you will come back in a couple weeks. And we'll do yeah. more stories and have more fun. And... Do some more history. We're going to help teach people. We're going to make fun of your husband. Perfect. Right um, to his yeah. face, too. I'll make fun of him to his face. He knows that. I love him. Oh, I make fun of him all the time. Uh, and maybe will Grogu come on next time, too? <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at him right now, so I could I could have him make a cameo if you want. He should, because Gro- And Okay, I, I lied. One more question. Did yes. that not come... You're a Star Wars fan, obviously. Oh, huge Star Wars fan. Did... I, grew up, I grew up in a comic book store. My parents owned a comic book store when I was little. So, so did Grogu not totally rejuvenate the entire franchise? The Mandalorian did. Not yes. just Grogu, but the Mandalorian. The... Grogu helped in a my... lot. Grogu helped. Uh, it was nice because we didn't know anything about it ahead of time. Uh, but the storytelling in the Mandalorian yes. was beautiful. Uh, it's Western Samurai, and I'm all about it. Yeah, and I just wish they it. wouldn't take so long till the next season. I mean, I get it. It's it's a huge production to do, um, but yeah, but two I mean, years. Not, well, I, I've I've had WandaVision and and the Winter uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and now Loki to divide my time, and I'm also watching uh, the Bad Batch as well. So and Boba surprised. Fett's coming out, I think, in December, right? That I'm not sure of, uh, but I'm watching that. Yes. Yeah. Hands down. And, and also, Mando, better than Boba. I'm sorry. I don't know. He did kick some butt uh, in the last season. He did? He, Boba Fett is, in this in the last season, uh, second season of The Mandalorian, is how I pictured 
Boba Fett actually being. Because he was never portrayed properly until then, in my opinion. Except in the holiday special cartoon. That does not exist. (laughs) (laughs) I I can always piss off Star Wars people by mentioning the holiday special. Nope. Does not exist. Not even the Starship song? I know not of what you speak. (laughs) Tabitha Birch, give us your... your, your, uh, not your stats, that's going to sound really creepy, but give us your your uh, Instagram, your Facebook, your uh, Twitter, all the stuff that we can follow you on. Um, I'm not so much a, a, on Twitter. I'm on uh, Instagram and on TikTok uh, under Opera Ghost PTO and the number one uh, on both of those. So if you look for me there, uh, you will find me. You might not um, recognize her because she looks different no, every time. All the time. My current profile picture, at least on TikTok, is me as Mara Jade. There's a nice <laughs> Star Wars reference. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, they should not have written her. Written I'm her. so annoyed that they cut her to the whole franchise. Oh, my God. I'm. S- there has been talk that they're going to write her back in. They wrote Thrawn in, and her and I, I think Thrawn are the two most compelling of the original canon of Star Wars uh, figures. But I am annoyed that they wrote her out because Luke marries her and has kids, has children with her, she eventually dies. Yeah. So, I think we better wrap this up now, because we are way over time, but we are going to come back, folks, and there'll be a part two of this. So, from the amazing Tab of the Birch in Chicago, and myself in Buffalo, New York, and with me, as always, all the way across the pond is... Lauren from Swansea. Good night. Good night. night. I don't know if a poop bucket came as standard with the room. That's something I really do have to look into.